Hey everybody and welcome back to part two of our first Wednesday special, What Does an Area Scout Do During the Fall Season? Before we jump back in, let me remind you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Let me know what players you want to hear and what topics you'd like to hear about on our next Wednesday special. Best spot, follow me at RightStepADV over on Twitter. That's going to be the best place to leave me comments, notes, and interact. Of course, yesterday we dropped our scouting report of once Florida Gator and now Central Florida Golden Knight Kamora Gamble. Good player, excited to see him. Tomorrow we will be back on defense as we cover safety out of San Diego State, Patrick McMorris. With that said, let's get back into it. What does an area scout do during the fall? Of course, last time we discussed most of the prep work involved in getting ready to go on the road. Just like anything, preparation makes a big difference in what kind of season you're going to have. It makes you know exactly sense for scouts to do the same thing. Restrictions, practice times, parking, among those things that scouts must get into. Preseason draftable play reports are all wrapped up, and every scout has their list of schools they must now visit either once, twice, or treat as a film school. Today we will cover and look at what a fall schedule looks like as a whole, what a typical two-week swing will look like, and what actually happens when a scout is at a school. Laying out a schedule is quite the puzzle, as you can imagine, and scouts know that the first month or so should stay pretty much the same, but after that there's going to be more than a few adjustments. Uh, again, living in your area always makes things a little bit more manageable, just proximity to where your school's at, sliding stuff around, but that's always going to be dictated by the openness of the schools. You can usually expect schools, of course I'm talking about NCAA football programs, to be open and inviting for at least a few weeks of preseason camp. Always a great time to get in and see the players, Guys are fresh, everybody's excited about the season, get in there, get body type, start to get a feel for where players are going to be utilized. Um, as week one approaches, schools will get a little bit more restrictive with practice times and having people in the building. This is especially true for those schools that open with a prime time opponent on national TV. For schools that start with, eh, you, you might call them a little bit more of a cupcake. Maybe they're you know, a Big Ten school playing a Mac school. Um, SEC maybe playing somebody from the Sun Belt. They will be usually a little bit more open. During the season, schools will typically be open two to three days a week is about average, though there are some schools, uh, as you can imagine, not the scouts' favorite. They are open to one day a week. Those can be really tough. They uh, make things a little bit difficult for you, but uh, other schools are open every day, five days a week. So um, you just have to find a way to balance your schedule and get everybody in there when you can. Always circle rivalry weeks as well for scouts because typically rivalry week schools will shut down. Again, those are big games, games that uh, head coaches know they must win. They don't want any extra distractions. As we said last time, scouts are preparing to be on the road about 80 nights during a fall season, mostly in 10 to 12 day swings. Getting home you know, every other weekend or carving out time if you wanna hit uh, two weekend games, get back during the middle of the week, again, depending on what that schedule is and how you want to get it to work. 
Uh, I know scouts today are spoiled with the ability to jump on FaceTime and see the family and catch up on things at home, which can certainly change the way you operate your schedule. It was always fun hearing stories from, you know, what you would call the old-time scouts, scouts that have been a part of uh, the NFL for a long time, having to use paper atlases and find gas stations with a payphone to call home whenever they had the chance. Um, so even those times when some of us younger scouts felt that uh, times were tough and it was a long season, always had to hearken back to that and, you know, realize how good we actually had it. So let's take a look at a couple two-week swings that would have been a part of my schedule in the Midwest, um, and you'll jump into that. So to start the 2021 fall season, I had basically a, a, a two full weeks, slightly more than that swing, where um, left on a Sunday night, drove up to Knoxville, Tennessee. I saw Tennessee. Next day, I went to Western Kentucky, was at Louisville the next day, saw the Kentucky Wildcats after that, and then was up on Friday to the Ohio State University. I saw a Saturday scrimmage at Nippert Stadium for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, and then Sunday, as some schools try to do, uh, a number of them were off, so I used that as a work day, dump in a bunch of notes from the week, get caught up on things, make sure the schedule and everything was right for the next week, because on Monday I was back at the University of Indiana, Tuesday I was at Purdue, Wednesday, Michigan State, Thursday, down the road at Notre Dame, Friday, Northwestern, and on Saturday, up into Wisconsin with uh, the University of Wisconsin. Uh, during these two weeks, I did make a couple stops at small schools that, you know, it was really just a feeling out process as I got on the road. Um, a lot of your, maybe your FCS, your divisions two, if they happen to swing practices around, go at night. Again, for a lot of smaller schools that don't have dedicated facilities, they are operating on very different schedules where it can be a little bit more difficult during preseason camp to operate as all the different sports are trying to use the same field was pretty typical for a scout to maybe hit three or four smaller schools at night, get them knocked out. Maybe they only have one or two prospects. Maybe they don't have any prospects. You just want to stop by and say hi. Um, that is going to be very typical during that two-week swing. After that trip to Wisconsin, I drove down to uh, Chicago, left my car there, and got home for about five days before I headed back out. Again, you're talking about, you know, from leaving on the 8th to being back home on the 21st. So nice 13 days on the road and uh, knock those camps out, see a bunch of big schools, got a bunch of initial information, really set the table for a good fall season. As we look down a little bit later in the season, looking at uh, the, uh, going to be looking at September here, September 18th. Um, through the 29th, sorry, October, October 18th through 29th. There we go. Find my calendar date. So on October 18th, we're going to look at a two week swing where I was, uh, on the road during the season. What it looked like was, um, you know, flying in on a Monday, Mondays, a lot of times are closed or limited access school, uh, days for schools. A lot of schools will this use this as an off-practice day, as the NCAA requires schools to be off for a day during the week, give the players a chance to focus on school, get their bodies right. A lot of schools will use that as Monday. So Monday was a travel day for me, headed up to Champaign. On Tuesday, saw the University of Illinois, a school I had already seen a game on early in the season. 
From there, I headed down to Southern Illinois. A uh, little bit of a drive, but uh, wanted to get down to Southern Illinois before heading back up to the University of Indiana. Again, I had uh, very good relationships in Indiana. They were a very open school, really treated scouts well, so they were open on Thursdays for us before seeing a small school, Indiana State, on Friday the 22nd. From there, headed up to Lafayette, Indiana, to attend the Wisconsin vs. Purdue game on the 23rd. Um, used the 24th to watch the uh, NFL game of my team before heading over and into Purdue right there in the city to see them during the week. The 26th, Tuesday, I was out at Notre Dame. The 27th, I was driving back towards home, visiting Western Kentucky. And on the 28th, Thursday, I was going to see, you know, small schools, maybe a Tennessee, Chattanooga, uh, Carson Newman, um, you know, maybe somebody else, Tennessee State there in Nashville, make that easy drive home, be home now on the 29th. Again, you're looking through 18th to 28th, a nice 10-day swing before being back home and getting that work done. So that's a camp week, that's an in-season week, and that's really going to be kind of the routine throughout the fall season. So within that, those two weeks, those two uh, types of weeks, what does a scout visit typically look like once you're at the school? Again, somewhat unique for every school, but you can always typically kind of follow a general pattern knowing that yeah, some, some schools aren't going to allow you some of this access. Some schools are you know, going to put everything on the schedule for you. The number one thing a school visit is about is finding out the character and the background of a player. While some of uh, that information can be found by just plugging a player's name into a search engine, going to their you know, team's profile, where they go to high school, what does their family situation look like, what sports do they play, um, most of it is going to be gleaned from conversations about the player with both the pro liaison, with the recruiting directors, with recruiting personnel, with coaches. Um, and it's not always just about what is said by these people, but how it is said and what is avoided about when talking about the player. Again, that's where some of the good scouts can really find out information in the nonverbals and the way things is said. It is a scout's job to find out everything about a player, and that is mostly done on your school visits. Family background. Who does the player like to hang out with? What are their work habits? What, are their, what is their work ethic? What has their weight progression been since they've been at school? How do they do in school? What are their academics like? How do they treat people? Everybody from janitors and secretaries, administrative assistants, um, student assistants, everybody. How do they treat people? How are they at practice? Are they locked in? Are they having fun? Are they focused? Is practice a priority for them? How are they in the weight room? Same thing. How invested are they in the full process of being a player? Uh, it is the job to uncover every stone. We want to find out as a scout not only the things that may be of concern, but more often than not, what scouts want is to find the qualities that you can then pound the table for this player come March when you're having discussions on when this player should be drafted or how much you should pay them as a priority free agent. You want to be able to pound the table to feel really good about, hey, this guy has the personal character the off-field habits, everything to make it on our team. Again, the process won't be done during the season. It won't be done until really March or April, really, you know, day one of the draft. You better have everybody buttoned up. But those are the things you want to be looking at um, when you are in a school visit. So, 
a school visit. Typically arriving in the school, get there 8, 9 a.m., you're not super early. Some will have you get in there at 7. Some, hey, don't come in till 10. You're going to meet and go with the pro liaison first. Again, the pro liaison is going to be your number one point of contact. Maybe a strength coach, maybe somebody in recruiting, and maybe somebody that just has that pro liaison title. Get background, get character, find out exactly who the school views as a draftable player who is, you know, exhausted their eligibility. Um, again, scouts will have their list, but you always want to double check it with the schools. From there, you'll meet with a strength coach if that's different from the pro liaison, or it may be the pro liaison, so you can knock those two birds out with one stone. Some schools you will then meet with academic staff. This becomes very different at every school. Some are essentially in the football building. Um, they have dedicated staff for the academics. When you're talking, you know, 80 to 100 players on a college roster, you may have a couple people from academics that are dedicated to those football athletes or maybe a couple sports. Some are across campus. You know, you have to take a walk, take 10, 15 minutes, walk across campus, go find their office. Some are arranged by the pro liaison. It's always really nice when that happens. Scum schools, they tell you you are not allowed to talk to the academic people. They want all sources of information coming from the pro liaison. If that's the case, um, you know, good luck finding out the information, however you can find it. Um, don't want to get into any more on that, but let's just say scouts are very good at finding ways to get their information. From there, you may meet with the training staff, of course, always having to be compliant with different regulations, HIPAA, stuff like that. Um, again, many of the questions here revolve not around specific injuries, but just how, how are they in with people? How are they with their rehab? Are they in early? Are they in late? Do they get their ankles taped early? Are they always the last one on the practice field? Questions like that. From there, you may meet with coaches, sometimes before, sometimes after practice. Sometimes you may not be able to get coaches in the person. You may have to just circle back and get them on the phone. From there, you'll probably have some film watching time. Again, depending on the time of the year, how much film is available. You may be by yourself on a computer in some room. You may be in a giant team meeting room with a bunch of other scouts. Again, it can be really difficult to do that. Scouts will zip through, be watching different players. The number one thing, ease of access via the iPad, computer, you know, whatever device you have is made film watching so much easier. From there, head out and watch practice. Get body type, see how guys warm up, see how everybody looks. Again, this is a good chance to talk to strength coaches, trainers, people out on the field as practice is going on. From there, any post-practice meetings you may have missed, um, get those cleaned up. Some schools are open for the whole practice. Some are only open for a portion of practice. Some once you're gone and out of the building and off campus by 3, 4 o'clock, again, get down the road and start getting on the phone to get more sources. Again, any time you can spend back with people on campus is going to be good. But again, there's always a time to get down the road and head to your next spot. Get food, get to your hotel. One of the things that scouts always talk about is that end of the day brain dump. Again, everything you had from the day you want to get down into the system. Again, you can take really diligent notes, but there's always going to be stuff on your mind that maybe you didn't get it jotted down. Something that you saw, you want to get it down on paper, on your computer, wherever it is, washed away by the end of the day. That way you can now focus on your next school the next day. Big schools often mean late nights. When you're talking about 10, 15, 20 draftable or draft eligible players, that's a lot of information. So that's a day and it is a full day. 
you get worn out, maybe you get five, six hours of sleep, you, you know, have a, again, 10 days of those, get to a game, do that, um, it, it becomes a, you know, a long fall season. Start talking about games. Scouts will typically want to see how players warm up. This is a great chance to be very close down on the sidelines players when you are at games. See the body type, see how they are during the game. One of the things that gets forgotten about when evaluating players is all that happens not on film. What happens on the sidelines? What happens after a missed third down throw? What happens after a missed tackle? How are players, coaches, how is everybody reacting on the sideline and what is the bounce back? like what happens between quarters how does the player come up and warm up after halftime all these things matter or as is often the case none of it may matter you may watch a game and you may not see anything that moves the needle for you but again you at least know that and you can feel good about it when you're making your final report so the number one thing or one of the things it takes to get through a fall having a routine that includes working out and eating right, staying connected to your fellow scouts and your team back home, part of your team, having someone you can talk to. For me, it was always my faith, uh, getting in the scripture nightly. Uh, but again, having a long fall season, it's a grind. It's a daily grind. Uh, but, you know, you just keep your head down and go do it. One of the things I'll highlight here before we finish up is what it really separates area scouts and allows the good ones to rise to the top. And I put down a few things here. Situational awareness. Who are you talking to? Who do they know? How is the team doing? What is going right and wrong with the team? And what questions do you just need to back off on? There are scouts that they have their list of questions that they're going to ask no matter what the situation is. And even when the pro liaison squirming in a seat or getting a little bit curt with responses, they're gonna ask their questions anyway. The good scouts will be able to read a room, understand, hey, I gotta stay away from this question, maybe we just had a big injury, I'm gonna avoid those questions. Again, having situational awareness, who you're talking to and knowing when and where you should ask those questions is always important. Sources is another big one. The more people you know, the broader the picture of every player will become. Again, easier to get information, um, get more accurate information, again, be able to uncover all the stones. Another thing is being able to see the little things. In the hallways, out at practice, who's in the building earlier, who's you walking by the training room, who's already in there, how are they warming up, how are they acting. Again, there are little things that you will see that may no other scout may see in the building. Somebody, a player picking up trash on the sideline, that's, that will say something when it's put with the rest of their profile or you know, vice versa, the last player on the field, the guy that's scrambling to get ready. Again, does it fit with everything else you've heard on the player? Again, see the little things, you will have your reports done more accurately. And hearing what is said verbally, uh, non-verbally. How does that compare to the players that they have talked about in the past? Again, as you are in an area, as you listen to pro liaisons talk about multiple players, again, when they start talking about players in the same light and you know character was accurate on a one player um, or, you know, the other case, sometimes you find out they were saying all the right things and then you find out once this player's in the NFL that all that stuff was wrong always throw up the red flags when they're talking about players in the same light. Again, hear what is said and is not said often will help you with the case. 
Well, I think that pretty much covers and wraps up our look at what does an area scout during, do during the fall. Hope it gave you some new insight into the world of scouting. And uh, now you know all the work that is going to be going into an area scout's job here in, like I said, just about a week. If you like this episode, again, make sure you jump on Twitter. Follow me at RightStepADV. Let me know what you want to hear next whenever we have our next Wednesday special. Of course, tune into all our episodes. Like, subscribe, share. Until next time, keep scouting.